0: So let's jump into the text where that comes from. And again, do you think like Jesus? Do you see this world as a battle between the forces of good, the forces of evil? Jesus is the one that's plundering the house of the evil forces, and uh, he's now passed a baton to us. Where does this come from? It comes from Mark chapter 9. When they came back to the disciples, now where are they coming from? Uh, a few of the, the uh, apostles got to hang out with Jesus at an event called the Transfiguration, which means he was glorified. And God the Father manifested, Elijah manifested, Moses, Moses manifested, and the disciples are sitting there slack-jawed, like, what in the world's going on here? They're coming back from that. It's interesting. I'll give you a little more background here. Peter sees Jesus glorified, and then he starts talking. <coughs> Why don't we make some tabernacles and set one up for you? And basically, guys, guy says, Peter, shut up. <laughs> Listen to him. That's what he says. Listen to what Jesus says. I don't want to hear your bright ideas. Listen to what Jesus says. And that's kind of like, that's the theme of being a Christian. God doesn't want your bright ideas. He doesn't want your life plan. He doesn't want your ministry philosophy. And then then you just sprinkle a little pixie dust on it by a prayer. He wants you to shut up and listen to what Jesus said, which is how you get the mind of Christ. But God doesn't say shut up because he's polite. Um, So so they come back, but they come down from the mountain. So you got Jesus just with a few disciples. They come down. They see a large crowd around them. Some scribes are arguing with the other disciples. What are they arguing about? You're going to see here in a minute. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. He asked them, what are you discussing? Or, what were you discussing with him, to his disciples? One of the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son with the spirit, an evil spirit, because that Jesus believes in that stuff, an evil power external to himself, which has taken over this kid. It seizes him. Makes him mute. Slams him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth. He stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out. They couldn't do it. Do you and Jesus have the same worldview? Or is Jesus just kind of a naive simpleton? I I believe he's God in the flesh. I believe he was the, the most spiritually enlightened human being without any close second. I mean... No other religious figure comes close. And nobody could debate with him, even when he was a child. He took all the, all the leaders in Jerusalem to school, if you remember that, when he's 11 years old. So he's God in the flesh. And this is how he sees the universe. Um, and sometimes when I preach about this, people are like, I know those forces. I just can't talk about them because my psychologist doesn't believe in them and my friends don't believe in them, whatever. But I, I know those powers. I know those evil. F- I've, I've been, I've experienced those things. So, they come to Jesus and they say, the disciples couldn't take care of this problem. If you see they're arguing also with some religious leaders earlier, what are they arguing about? That's that's a whole different sermon. But when you start seeing things like Jesus sees them, a lot of of religious folks are going to want to argue with you. And i would say, well, Jesus said it. So, I didn't make this up. You don't like demons? I I'm not you don't like Satan? You don't like the the idea that evil powers can oppress us and and, and control our lives and drag us to hell and keep us in bondage? I didn't create that. Some people would say, like, I hate Tad, I hate going to his church because he teaches this stuff. I didn't make this up. This is Jesus. So, what does Jesus do when his disciples can't take care of this problem in a small child? He gets mad at his disciples. No, Jesus isn't supposed to be mad. He's supposed to be like Mr. Rogers. He just always smiles and says nice things. No, he gets mad. Remember he like turned the temple over when the people weren't uh, allowing people to really worship and connect with God. They turned church into something that it wasn't. He made a whip and drove everybody out. Jesus always did what was right and what was good. But being nice is not always the highest pinnacle of, you know, goodness. Sometimes... People need a rebuke. So this is what he does with his disciples. He answered them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will I put up with you? And he's talking about his disciples as well. In Matthew, he says, perverted. He calls them perverted. Oh, unbelieving and perverted. You guys are sick in the head. What's the matter with you? Bring the kid to me. He's not just talking to the unbelievers. He's talking to his own followers his disciples who would later be apostles sent out by him what is the matter with you guys why can't you help this kid bring him to me they brought the boy to him when he saw <clears throat> when he saw him immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion falling on the ground he began rolling around foaming at the mouth he asked his uh, um, so jesus asked the father how long has this been happening he said since childhood it's thrown him both into the fire and the water to destroy him what's that called that's called suicidal Kid has fits. We'd call it epilepsy. The kid is suicidal. The kid is destructive. In other parts of the New Testament, we see people, they gnash themselves with stones or cutters, self-mutilators. Oh, but we don't believe in demons. It's all psychological, it's all medical. It's all they didn't get it a little red wagon. They didn't, you know, their, their dad wasn't there for them, whatever. No, nothing to do with these evil powers. Well, you and Jesus don't see the world the same way. Jesus saw it as now. It's complicated and you have to learn how they work, but there were these evil forces involved. Is this part of your worldview? When was the last time you thought about the person that you love that's addicted being under the power of the evil one? The person that you love who just can't hear the gospel? The person that you love that is full of bitterness and hatred? That that Satan somehow is in the mix fueling that distortion in their mind, in their heart, in their soul? Bring him to me. So the father says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help him. Now check this out. Jesus said, if you can Some some Bible teachers like to say uh, Jesus is kind of repeating the guy, being a little bit sarcastic like, if you can. What are you talking about? I'm Jesus. What do you mean, if you can? I don't think that's what he's doing at all. He's telling the father, look, if you can believe If you can see things like I see things, and if you will agree with me, because that's what faith is. If you will change your worldview and start seeing it like I see, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe kind of, sort of, a little bit. Kind of, help me to believe more. That's what he's doing here. Jesus Jesus is frustrated at everybody, including his apostles. Why can't you guys see what I see? Why aren't you clear on what's going on here? Why don't you understand? And I was even thinking about the religious people that they're arguing with. Maybe they're throwing them off their game. Well, this really is, that's kind of a primitive worldview. Because there were actually the guys that were in charge of the temple. They were the Sadducees. They didn't believe in demons at all. Or angels. Or the resurrection. The Bible tells us that. So these are religious people arguing with their disciples. Maybe they're throwing them off of this perspective. You, maybe you have your, you know, your Uncle Sal is a Methodist minister, and you try to talk to him about demons. It's, oh, that's just primitive, hocus-pocus, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay, I guess so. My pastor seems to know what he's talking about, but I'll, go, I'll, I'll run with you. What was Jesus' perspective? He's telling his father, if you can see things like I see things and believe with me, you could accomplish anything. Now, of course, that's within the realm of God's will. It's not, you know, you can speak a Mercedes into being or whatever, you know, luxury condo in Hawaii. He's saying, look, anything regarding God's kingdom and the goodness that you want to see manifested in this world, if you can just believe with me on this, it'll happen. Now, I've highlighted some words here. Pistis is the word for faith or belief. If you put a, a Greek letter alpha on the front of either you can do it anyway it's kind of complicated but basically it's oversimplified it's that word pistis what it's called an alpha privative it means no faith so Jesus at the beginning here at this top line he says you have no faith that's why this kid isn't fixed and it's your fault because you're not believing what does that mean you're not seeing things rightly like I see things and then he tells the father if you could see now the word's slightly different it's a masculine and a feminine form but it's basically the same concept that's what I didn't want to say because that would confuse you. Same root, but, and the alpha primitive on it. Think you don't have faith. That's why you can't pull it off. What does that mean? You're not seeing things like I'm seeing things. If we could see things like God saw them, like Jesus saw them, we'd pray with clarity. We'd pray with faith. We'd know what God wanted to do. And that faith it would be the thing that released the power of God into the situation. This is not taught very widely in the church. Study the Bible and see if these things are true. Why is Jesus upset at these guys? They don't have the faith to pull it off. Bring the kid to me. I'll show you what God wants. If you guys had agreed with me, you could have done it. So what else do we got here? Okay, so Jesus saw the crowd, was rapidly gathered, and he rebuked the unclean spirit and said to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you come come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out, throwing him in a terrible convulsion, it came out, and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he is dead. So this is kind of interesting as well. Jesus takes care of the problem with God's perspective, and everybody's like, Good job, Jesus, you killed him. Way to go. <laughs> Way to go. Jesus doesn't flinch. And sometimes when we're doing things the way God wants them done, things will get ugly for a minute. And God says, don't flinch. Keep pushing because you are doing this right. So he doesn't flinch. Jesus takes him by the hand, raises him up. He gets up and he comes into the house. His disciples question him privately. Why couldn't we drive it out? And he said, this kind does not come out by anything but prayer. Now here's some confusion. I thought the problem was faith, and you're saying they needed to add an extra half hour to their quiet time, and that would have solved the problem. No, because if you know the Bible, you know that Mark is the quick gospel, and then Matthew and Luke are basically Mark filled out with a bunch of details. Does that make sense to you? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're all the same story. Mark's a little bit like an outline, 16 chapters, and Matthew has 28 chapters, and Luke has 24 chapters. But the extra material is just data to help you understand a little more in detail what Mark is talking about. And if that doesn't make sense to you, sorry, I've got to keep talking. So here's what Matthew says about that event. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus falling on his knees before him saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He is a lunatic, very ill. He falls in the fire, the water. I brought the to disciples. They couldn't cure him. Jesus said, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long am I going to put up with you guys? <clears throat> Bring them to me. Jesus rebuked them. The demon came out of him. He was cured at once. The disciples came privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out? He said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. Truly, I say, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed... You'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move. You'll say to this move, this demon, get the heck out of here, and he will fly. Nothing will be impossible, and then this kind does not come out except through prayer and fasting. Why, why, why is that prayer thing on there? It's not that some demons come out through rebuke and some come out through prayer, because in this situation, how did the demon come out? How did he come out? Did Jesus say, "Oh, just a second, demon"? Oh God, I just pray, I just pray that because this one's not going to respond if I say, "Get out!" You know, right? No, he rebuked him just like he always does. So, what does this mean? This kind does not come out except for anything, except for anything but prayer. If you miss everything I say, take note of this. How do you get the mind of Christ? How does your thinking align with God's thinking? Where does that happen? You just like go to sleep with your head on your Bible and, you know, and it's the thoughts kind of seep in there and change, you know, rearrange your brain. It's your prayer time. It's your prayer time. He's telling the apostles, guys, you don't have God's perspective because you're not spending enough time at his feet, in his presence, asking. I spent the whole morning this morning because I'm I'm I want this perspective because it stinking works. And I get pulled away from it all the time by the church, by the world, by the secular media. And either they're crazy or Jesus is crazy. But I've seen breakthrough and miracles happen in people's lives only when I'm clear thinking like Jesus is and and approaching it like this. And there's some of you sitting in this room that have been delivered because I was a little more on my game and I wasn't pulled off. But Jesus is telling his disciples, guys, you don't have my perspective because you're not spending enough time engaging God. And so this whole morning, I, my prayer, I, was list, I listened all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. I listened from Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, all the way through, I'm trying to remember what chapter. Up through 15. And I was like, God, give me the mind of Christ. 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 I don't have it. I'm a crazy man in so many categories. I can read the Bible, pat myself on the back for reading it, But it hasn't changed me. And I still think like a crazy man. So I'm praying, God, give me the... And so Jesus is telling his disciples, guys, you don't think like I think because you're not spending enough time with God. And it's not just in prayer. It's also you have to be full of the Word of God. So all this that we're saying, we're getting our framework from the written Word of God. So Jesus is like, dudes, you're thinking like crazy people because you're not spending enough time with God. And if you had been spending enough time with God, you'd see things like me and you could have walked in this situation and solved the problem. Does that make sense? It's not this kind of, I've even seen this in commentaries. This kind of demon is a come out by prayer demon and this kind of demon is a come out by rebuking him demon. No, Jesus rebukes him. He doesn't pray and then he comes out. But Jesus is on all cylinders and he's on his game because he doesn't miss his time with the Father and he doesn't miss his time engaging God. So he has perfect clarity so he can walk in a situation like this and take care of it. I would say most Christians in this country would be uncomfortable with this entire sermon. Because they do not have the mind of Christ by any stretch of the imagination. Because when he walked in, half of diseases he saw as somehow demonically connected. Read the, And so again, either he's nuts or we are. So, this is lose your mind too. I kind of believe that. But do I really believe that? The people that I know who are in bondage, the people that I know are in spiritual darkness. Paul says the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So that they can't see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. Who's the God of this world? Satan. He's he's muddling up their brain. He's got, Paul says, people that are opposed to the truth are being held captive by Satan to do his will. So, anyway, I was thinking about that this morning, and it also led me to. Consider Even Jesus as a human, he was showing us how to do it. <laughs> we, the devil even gives us dumb ideas about what our time in prayer is. It's like, well, if I don't punch the clock and spend a boring half hour with the Lord, God's going to be mad at me, so I guess I'll just have to kind of slog through it. It's like, are you kidding me? This is a time for you and God to start seeing things in the same way so you can be a difference maker in this this, Again, Martin Luther's hymn, though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. People say, well, that's crazy talk. Yeah, me and Jesus. But I'm not good at this. I am the man saying, I believe, help my unbelief. And you're like, oh, man, I wish I believed like that. No, I'm just I'm telling you where the bar is. I'm not saying I'm there. I live it. But I have touched it. I have gotten there occasionally. And some of you people are in this room. You're not dead. You're not in prison. Because I have seen a little more clearly than I do. And I'm kind of bamboozled by all the philosophies of the world. And I'm praying against Satan, his power in people's lives. But uh, <clears throat> I, I was thinking of, uh, as I was preparing this, uh, yeah, I, I don't live this. But I, I want to set the bar where it's supposed to be so we can all aim for it. Because ignoring the bar is not going to help anybody. The people we love, the people that are lost, the people that are bondage, our friends who are crazy. They are, the vast majority of them, they have demonic issues. Now they also have issues that they have to repent of. How do they get those demonic issues? Sin. Sin. And so if they repent, then the devil has nothing to hold on to, has nothing to control in their life. There's a whole, there's a whole science to this. But there's these evil forces. We've got to learn how to fight them. We have to know that they're there. Um, I'll just give you a personal illustration uh, from my own life because I have – I don't think about this for a while and a situation will come crashing into my life that's like something out of the New Testament. And uh, I'll have to deal with the reality of it and then I get clarity and then I kind of go back in, in the muddle. But at our old church, uh, I want to be careful. I've got to be really careful not to use actual – the right – some of you will know who these people are. Uh, there's a girl – my ordination service. My mom's here listening. My dad passed away last year. My ordination service, I don't know, how many years ago was that? Fifteen? Or fifteen years ago. My dad was there. He was an amazing singer, so he sang. And, you know, it, it, was, it was really fun. We had special people there, whatever. There's a girl who started coming to our church from a shattered family. A lot of sexual immorality. She grew up in a small Kansas town, which is a cesspool of sin. Can I hear amen? Yeah, they're just horrific, the sins that go on in small Kansas towns. She was just caught in the middle of it. During my ordination service, she uh, got up, walked out, went home, and uh, took, uh, I don't know, 30-plus Tylenol. She tried to kill herself. Before that time, she struggled with all kinds of issues. Um, And one of the things was she had regular seizures. You know, she'd fall out you know epileptic epileptic seizures but she's also obviously suicidal which is hopelessness she's also wildly immoral which opens the door up to the demonic the girl's demonized so she goes home tries to kill herself we have a great time i don't know what's happening but it was a lot of fun for the rest of us and hey guess what she's in the hospital hanging on uh by a thread and uh our church starts praying Warring for her, realizing this is a demonic attack, her father's not saved, but just a little cheat I'll tell you the end of the story. When the miracle happened in her life, he started coming to our church because he said, whatever happened to her, I want some of it and now he's he 's also passed away, but God absolutely transformed his life. He was one of the total jerks in our community and became one of the sweetest, kind of almost like our mascot of our church for a while but uh so we're praying we're warring and uh it just so happens that they said well she's not going to be back for months she has probably if she does survive i think she's in a coma if she does come out she's going to have brain damage she's going to have all kinds of internal issues um but she was back in our church in two weeks I didn't know she was going to be back, how soon she's going to be back. But I happened to be preaching on the Syrophoenician woman, which if you were interested in that one, go to Matthew 15. And it's a story about another demonized child. I was like, Lord, seriously, you want me to preach about a demonized? Actually, I can't remember. It might have been this passage. It was only 15 years ago, so I'm a little fuzzy. But it was about a child who's demonized whose parent parent wants help. I said, God, you can't have me preach this when she comes back. She'll know that I'm like targeting her and she's not even a believer. And so I'm wrestling with this and I'm like, Lord, I don't even know how to handle this. This girl coming back to our church, we're worshiping and she just walks right up to the front of the church before the service even starts. And uh, I said, Do you want to give your life to Jesus? And she says, of course. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. You made that real easy on me. You made this really easy on me. But we prayed for her. She was physically healed. There was no brain damage. There was no internal damage. She had no more seizures from that point on. It was done. Um, And she ended up opening her heart to the Lord. But we were... Definitely approaching it as a spiritual battle, did we take care of it as efficiently and as you know streamlined as Jesus? No, but we definitely had people praying, we had people warring, we had people you know taking authority over the evil one, and the miracle happened i mean there 's nobody who can deny a lot of us well several of us in here um, we 're a part of that, but this goes on around us all the time. all kinds of people we know are afflicted by these demonic forces Satan is keeping them in bondage through their sin and they'll fight for their sin hopelessness bitterness sexual immorality these are all open doors for the demonic we can break the power of Satan over their life and then if they will repent and they'll be born again they're like sealed up and the evil one can't touch them and so those of us who are born again and are walking in holiness I used to be demonized Anybody in here aware of the fact that they used to be demonized at some point? Let me see your hands. Yeah, a lot of people. Okay, yeah, like voices in the head, suicidal thoughts, compulsions. Where's this coming from? Night terrors, just senses of evil presences in the room, that kind of stuff. Um, I gotta tell you, it's nice to be free. It's nice to be free. But even after we go through all that, sometimes we forget it. We or people convince us, well, that wasn't really what was happening, and blah 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 blah. And suddenly we're under the spell of the world. So listening to uh, Hudson Taylor, a man who really believed, really lived his life as if the world truly is under the power of the evil one, as if he truly had the key in his pocket to set any human being free. There'd be some prayer. There'd be some war. You know, he might not be able to take care of it as efficiently as Jesus, but he could take care of business. And, And again, in this church, we've seen people set free. Amen? And it's wonderful. But if we would see more clearly... Uh, then the power of God and the glory of God would be, be manifested more in life. But when we see less clearly, we're like those apostles. And uh, maybe someday we'll stand before the Lord and someone will say, Hey, I went to that church. You know, I, I went to that church out at the Green Valley Center. Um, and they just didn't really have anything for me. And yeah, I was oppressed and I had voices in my head and I wanted to kill myself. And, I, you know, I'd been, had demons terrorizing me my whole life. They just didn't really seem to be able to help. What would Jesus say to us? What the heck's the matter with you guys? Why, why after 5 years, 10 years, 15 years of walking with me, studying your Bible, you still don't believe that there's demonic powers out there? You still don't understand the connection to sin? You don't have any idea how to help these people? So like the Apostle says, what's the matter with you? Now, I like being rebuked by the Lord. I'm not like, oh, woe is me. I'm just such a, I'm going to flog myself. For me, it's hopeful. And it says who the Lord loves, he disciplines. God's like, hey. You can be having a full, exciting life. You can be a freedom fighter. You can be seeing people's chains broken. And you can be right in the mix. You can be the lightning rod. You can be the one that God uses. But uh, in order to see that happen, you've got to be in the Word because that's what changes your perspective. And you've got to be praying regularly. God, all right, I just read a page. What did I just fly by as if it weren't even there? Read the Sermon on the Mount, you know. He's like, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. All right, right, I'm I've got to go to my anxiety meds and I'm going to pick up my quiet time, you know. What did you just miss? He just commanded you not to and he's going to explain to you how to and that that's a sin. you got to work that through. We just plow past things. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. All right, after my quiet time, I got to go, man, spend hours like mulling over my 401k to figure out, you know, how am I going to get that $2 million I need to get together for retirement? We just plow past all these things that are in the scripture that tell us the mind of Christ. So we need to be in the word and then we need to be in prayer. God, where's my mind not lining up with your mind? Because I don't want to be stuck in the muck and the muddle that this world is in. The left and the right are out of their minds right now. They're all crazy, and our society's going down the tubes and imploding. The immorality in our culture is off the scales. The stuff that is happening in elementary schools and middle schools for people like in their 40s, 50s, 60s, you can't fathom the girls cataloged with pornographic videos in, in middle class. Middle schools, this is commonplace. We, it's, we're out of our minds. Kids like when, – when a kid used to like a kid when I, was, when I was young, you'd get their phone number and you'd call for about three weeks and usually just like, hey, what are you thinking? I don't know. What are you thinking? Huh? You know, and then when you got really advanced, you went to a movie and you held her hand. You know what kids do now? They say, hey, you know, Trish likes Timmy. Uh, Let's meet in the broom closet and have sex. That's what goes on in like middle schools now. Like when you like somebody, you hook up with them. We're we're out of our minds. This culture is like, Jesus said when an unclean spirit goes out of a person, it goes through like a desert wasteland. And it says it comes back and if the person hasn't taken care of business and cleaned things up and sealed things up, it says it brings seven more spirits and he says that's the way it is with this generation. That's, that's, the, that's what we're sitting in. What was, <laughs> I had one preacher, he said, our unsaved grandparents would be shocked by what even Christians do today. So we're, we gotta snap out of it and we gotta say, Jesus, what is your mind? What is right? What is wrong? What's the warfare? What's going on? Why are people in bondage? How do we get them out? And uh, this happens through studying the word like you've never studied it before. Getting on your knees saying Jesus was not crazy. Jesus was not naive. My psychology PhD professor does not understand the human soul better than Jesus. He does not have, my my ethics professor in philosophy does not understand the makeup of human, you know, the human being moral grid more than Jesus Christ does. I'm going to study Jesus. I'm going to develop the mind of Christ. And then I'm going to be a difference maker. That's what the Bible says. Uh, I wanted to show you. Even Jesus went through this process of making sure that his mind was right with the Father, and as I, you know, on track with the Father, that he was seeing everything rightly. I just put this in here. I'm gonna. I am coming in for a, a landing here. But uh, I was thinking about where does Jesus do this when he has to make decisions? If you remember, when he had to choose the twelve, what did he do? Anybody know what did he do when he had to, when he had to choose twelve of the hundreds of people that were following him? Spent all night in prayer. Why? He's trying to find the Father's heart, the Father's mind, the Father's will, so he makes the right decision. Here he's in Gethsemane. Uh, does he want to be torn limb from limb uh, and all the rebellious people and in and, and, you know, earth and all the rebellious spirits in hell coming again? Does he want to go through that? No, he doesn't in his humanness. But in prayer, that's where he finds the mind of God. So they come to a place called Gethsemane. He says to his disciples, sit here till I have prayed why are you praying Jesus I got to stay in tune with the father I don't want to get off my game he took with him Peter James and John they began to be distressed he began to be distressed troubled he said to them my souls deeply grieved to the point of death remain here keep watch he went a little beyond them fell on the ground began to pray if it were possible the hour might pass him by this does not look fun. He wishes he didn't have to do it. In his humanness, he wants to get out of it. But he's going to get his head on straight by this time he's spending with the Father in prayer. If possible, remove this cup from me, but not what I want, not what I will, but what you will. He's struggling, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my mind where the Father's mind is. He came and found his disciples sleeping like we do in the morning, right? Right. Five o'clock quiet time. Oh, I just, I mean, I worked hard yesterday. I mean, I, I watched those three episodes of, you know, was that show Alone, you know, about the guys up and out there. It was tiring, you know. I, um, so so I, I shouldn't have to do my quiet time. So uh, he comes to his disciples. He says, guys, why, why aren't you getting your heads on straight? Why aren't you guys pressing into the Father? He says, pray so that you won't enter into, tempta- enter into temptation. What temptation? Not thinking like God. So the devil can take you for a ride. But he comes there all asleep. Could you not watch one hour? Couldn't you pray one hour? Oh, I could go off on another story. (laughs) There's a lot of Christians that have been Christians for 50 years that have never prayed for one hour straight. There's there's people who have been Christians for 50 years that have never spent an hour straight. You should spend at least one hour a day if you're a serious Christian in prayer. But there's Christians. And so no wonder they think like the world. So he tells his disciples, You're sleeping? Couldn't you have at least prayed for me for an hour? He says, keep watching and praying that you might not come into temptation. The spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. So then he went again and said the same words, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus got the mind of God. He pressed through and thank God he secured our salvation. He went through with what God wanted to do. But even as I'm thinking about Christ, this is how we keep our heads on straight. This is how we develop the mind of God, through the word of God, through prayer. And then we start saying things like Jesus does. And then he says, if you believe like I believe, like he told that father, if you believe like I believe, you can do anything. You can do anything. So then we read these Hudson, Hudson Taylor, read, miracles of provision, miracles of salvation. And we read about people like George Mueller. What makes all these people great that we study? The Hudson Taylors and the George Mueller's and the CT Studs and the, what makes them great? They were just quite a bit closer to the mind of Christ than you and I are. What's going to change your whole game? If you shake off all this nonsense of lukewarm Christianity, uh, you know, if, or Christianity is not Christianity at all because it doesn't have any regard for the Bible, and you start getting your nose into the Word, and you say, you know, whose fool am I going to be? Am I going to be this world's fool? Or am I going to be God's fool? Am I going to look like a fool to Him? Or am I going to look like a fool to them? So, there you have it. Let's lose our minds. Let's divorce the world. Paul said, may it never be. You know, he, he, said, he, he basically said, I've been crucified to the world. The world's been crucified to me. I don't care about their opinions anymore. I only care about his opinion. That's a difference maker. That's what I want to be. I hope that's what you want to be. I also talk a lot about the demonic, and I know that is like ringing a lot of your bells. It's helping you to put some pieces together. Some of you are like, oh, my goodness. Um, that's an area that I need to deal with that I haven't dealt with before because it, I haven't heard of it in a church before. Well, unfortunately, a lot of us grew up in churches that weren't thinking with the mind of Christ. If you're having issues along these lines, we want to help you. We believe in that stuff here. There's people actually trained in this church through Freedom in Christ Ministries. I've had quite a bit of experience. We can help you. Get free of all that. You don't have to have voices in your head. You don't have to have suicidal thoughts. You don't have to have sinful compulsions. You can be free. So... If that's you, and uh, you want to reach out, have the courage. The devil's like, get out of here. They can't, or I will kill you if you go talk to them. Well, that's just him kind of last-ditch effort trying to keep you from getting free. But we believe in that here, and we believe you can be free. But for the rest of us, this isn't the only category in the Bible, but this is huge. And if this is not on your radar screen when you're praying, the demonic influence in people's life, the the way that Satan is destroying them, then you and Jesus are not seeing eye to eye. And you're not right. He's right. So, hope that was helpful. Um, And again, I hope those of you who want to talk more about it, just like last week, you'll feel free to pull me aside. you want some prayer after this, come talk to me. But let's let's wrap this up and then uh, enjoy some fellowship. So, Father, we come before in Jesus' name. Uh, Jesus, I want to see exactly like you saw the demons are not all in africa or south america or off in the hills mountains of tibet lord god they're here the the scripture says that the 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 whole world is under the power of the evil one lord and they're working in our lives and the people that we love in their lives a lot of us have been set free but lord there's so many people that need to be set free make us freedom fighters help us to understand the value of the gospel, our authority in Christ, and let us bring your kingdom. Your word says your kingdom come, your will be done. Do that through us. We love you. We thank you for all the victories we've won. We thank you for the people that we are praying for who are going to be set free. They're going to be yours. You're going to break the power of Satan over their heart and mind. Um, So we just pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. We pray that the seed would bear good fruit in our lives. Amen.